0: Oh. Welcome to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today's guest is a lady with a beautiful singing voice. She worked as a special ed teacher, and she is a big fan of Star Wars and Mario Kart. She has three kids, an almost seven-year-old son, an almost five-year-old daughter, and a one-year-old daughter. Please welcome my friend who I met in Phoenix, Stephanie Abbott. Hey, thanks. Thanks. So Stephanie, did you always know you wanted kids?
1: uh yeah, uh, that was like my earliest youngest memories. I remember always wanting to be a mom, like that's
0: that kind of sweet,
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, since I was like three or whatever
0: so wow well i I kind of envy that because um i for years, I did not want kids, and then um for years after that, I've been so ambivalent. I've spent so much time, so much energy thinking about should I, should I, should I, should I? So it sounds really simple. Like, oh,
2: it it sounds kind of nice
1: (laughs) just knowing. (laughs) But I will say at the same time, like that has aspects of that have changed significantly throughout my life as well. Like, yeah, I always wanted to have kids. Like in high school, I would have told you I wanted eight kids. Like I had this whole dream of like how my life was gonna go, and um, and then when I you know didn't get married at twenty and didn't start popping babies out at twenty one, I was like okay maybe six, <laughs> and then didn't get married for a little bit longer, and so then I was like okay like four, and honestly after my second kid I was like okay well I have two. And I'm not sure <laughs> um, if there's, if this any more going to happen, like it, it I, turns out I have really rough pregnancies and I experienced a lot of trauma, um, especially with my um, five-year-old's birth. And um, so while I always wanted to be a mom, some of that vision has changed um, over time for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Eight kids. That's a lot. (laughs) Right. I know people with eight kids. I mean, I know people and I like so much respect for them. So awesome. But I kind of look back on my high school self and I'm like, that was cute. Like, (laughs) that was a fun idea. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I am definitely not going to end up with eight kids. That is (laughs) not in the stars. (laughs)
0: So you kind of mentioned, um, uh, your age a little bit, how old were you when you first had your seven-year-old? So I was 27 okay. when he was born. Yeah. Um, how did your age affect your mother, if at all?
1: Um, I, I mean, I feel like a decent amount, like I, so I had ended up you know, I had this idea that I was going to like, I always wanted to go to college as well, but I was just going to like finish college and get married and have a family. And instead I ended up serving a mission and then graduating single and teaching for several years and continued teaching after I got married. and, And again, for another year after my son was born. Yeah. So, I mean, I came into motherhood with experience as as a teacher and um it's also been a little bit interesting like not that 27 is old by any means but and like I feel like in general culture in America like that's just like a pretty average age but within our church community and culture that's a little bit on the older end so it makes for sometimes some interesting dynamics within the church community <laughs> interesting okay um so
0: for those listening who have not heard my welcome episode um, I met Stephanie at my church and I go to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints where yeah it is encouraged to have kids like right away. A lot of the time, that's not necessarily <laughs> gospel teaching, but that's like church culture. Yeah. Um, so I am definitely feeling a lot of that pressure and I have felt a lot of pressure for a long time, which is part of the reason why I didn't have kids, honestly, because I'm like, you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so can you ta- tell us a little bit more about what you mean? The dynamics are interesting.
1: Okay. So I, I'm told that I look younger than I am. <laughs> Like just the other day I was mistaken for a full 10 years younger than wow. I am. Um, <laughs> um nice. I mean, it's not like people are like, that's gotta feel nice. Sometimes it's a little bit annoying though. Oh, okay. because I'm like, I'm like, I'd like a little more street cred than that. Like <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of ways in the church, having kids is sort of this rite of passage. Like that's when you like actually become an adult. <laughs> and um so having my first at 27 when people, you know, some of them several years younger than me having kids that were older than mine, sometimes I felt like I was treated younger than than I you know, and still like okay. I feel like I get lumped in with a younger age category than I am.
0: That makes sense. Okay. Because at the age of your
1: kids. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, people, I I feel like people make assumptions about age and maybe just like life experience based on age of kids. And so like, no, I am in my (laughs) thirties. I am like a former teacher. I had a five-year career and people kind of like their eyes get big when I <laughs> tell them how old I am. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that kind of leads into one of my other questions is how did people or did people's perception of you change after you became a mom?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, and it's interesting. I can see like almost opposite shifts. Um, because like as a teacher, not having kids, sometimes it was like, well, you don't, you don't have kids, so you don't necessarily know what you're talking about. And so then having kids like made, gave me a little more credibility and then, and within the church kind of more of like, oh, now you're really an adult. However, on the flip side of that, sometimes out in public with my kids, I feel like I, well, and I've had unfortunately some very rude comments made those are few and far between um one day at the park with a group of moms a man called us a bunch of bored housewives um rude. right like it was this whole huge thing but like I was like that's your perception of me because I am here at a park during the day not working like out with my kids but then, you know, most of the time, not to that extreme, but yeah, just kind of the way people talk to me or even like doctors, if I'm going to the doctor, you know, obviously during the daytime. And so they, you know, I mentioned, oh, I, I don't work outside the home. I feel like they talk down to me more as if I, not that you should ever talk to anybody like that, but I feel like they perceive me as less educated. When they know that I have kids and I'm not working.
0: Oh, oh, that's pretty gross.
1: (laughs) It's, it's an unfortunate like (laughs) battle that Mm -hmm. moms kind of have to face. And like I said, like, you should like, even if somebody hasn't finished formal education, you should never treat them like that. Right. it, yeah, it's frustrating that that is the perception that somebody, you know, who doesn't know my background sees Mm -hmm. when they see me. Mm
0: -hmm. That's frustrating. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Did your perception of other people change after you had kids? I feel like, um, I feel like I'm a lot more compassionate since having kids just in some of my struggles that I've been through with, yeah, I mean, with people treating me poorly, but also just the, the trials and some of the trauma that I have experienced with getting my kids here, just realizing, wow, you know what, everybody's going through something. Right. And so trying to make sure I take a step back and like, I don't know your full story. And so, it's not my space to, to judge you on that. I was kind of prone to that. Like I was the perfect parent before I had kids. Uh-huh, <laughs> I, sure. I, you know, I was going to run a tight ship. I run a very tight shipwreck. wreck. Um, <laughs> 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 so um, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's just really opened my eyes and perceiving other people, I guess kind of more as like a whole person, like realizing, I don't know your story. I don't know what's led you to this point and trying to yeah, be less judgmental.
0: Yeah. It's a good lesson for everyone to remember. Um, so you touched on it a couple of times. Um, what was it like to shift to the role of mom? It sounds like it was hard, at least physically for the, the pregnancies and births.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my, my first pregnancy with my son, um, the pregnancy was i mean pregnancy is kind of rough like not going to like sugarcoat it right like i don't know there's like some people that are like oh i just love being pregnant and it's so wonderful <laughs> and i'm so happy for them and i am not that person <laughs> um <laughs> i i had so many like <sighs> you know yeah this vision and not to say that you shouldn't have plans and hopes but, you know, I was super like, i'm gonna but I'm definitely going to breastfeed for like forever, <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, had all these ideas and 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 postpartum depression hit me pretty hard, actually, after he was born. And that was i I mean, I knew about postpartum depression. I believed that it happened to women, but I kind of had this idea of like, Oh, well that happens to other people. That's not going to happen to me. And, um, I didn't take to like, (laughs) to motherhood. Like I thought I would, his birth ended up being rather complicated and it sort of made me feel like I had failed as a woman. And then, And then breastfeeding was not a pleasant experience for us. Um, And, and so then again, I was like, I like, apparently my body's broken. Like I can't push a baby out by myself and I can't actually breastfeed. And, and, and besides that, I just like, I kind of had to relearn how to do like everything. (laughs) Cause all of a sudden there's this other person who's just like completely dependent (laughs) on you and I think like I knew that but like experiencing it was is different like there's there's nothing you can really do to like fully prepare for that so those first few months were a little bit difficult um got through it and then I I also started working again but was working from home and so I was juggling <laughs> a baby in one room <laughs> and teaching on the computer <laughs> in the other room. Um, that was kind of a, I don't know, kind of a different, like I didn't know anybody else that was in that situation. So it was a little bit hard to relate to because most of my friends had quit working after they had their kids. Um, and so it, it was a little bit of a lonely time but I did get through the postpartum depression and felt good and we figured out a system <laughs> that worked. It just it took a little a little while.
0: Yeah yeah um you mentioned specifically trauma
1: um was was that with your first child um mostly with my second the the combo of the two of them kind of <laughs> works together but um my, so my first labor was excessively long and I was excessively overdue. So I, I went 41 weeks plus three. Uh, so I, um, I honestly just sort of hit this point where I thought I was going to be pregnant forever. I remember at one point in the hospital, cause I was in the hospital for 36 of those hours. In labor. Oh boy. Oh gosh. It was long really, really long. I tell people like when I tell them my birth stories, I'm like, please understand that my stories are extreme (laughs) and this isn't going to happen to you (laughs) more than likely. (laughs) But I just remember at one point, like, not that I was like afraid I was dying or anything. I was just like, I'm just always going to be pregnant. Like I'm just going to die pregnant because he's just never going to come out. (laughs) Like (laughs) in my sleep deprived, irrational way, but I, um, I didn't have like lingering trauma so much after him. Um, my second, um, who's almost five now, um, my pregnancy was really horrible. Um, I developed what's called symphysis pubis dysfunction. That sounds Um, bad. Yeah. So just quick note, if people aren't aware of what it is like, so your body like towards the end of your pregnancy releases, relax in so that you can, you know, spread relax. It open and yeah. let, it, <laughs> let this baby out. Right. Um, my body starts really started releasing it way too early. So at like 10 weeks and what it does is then it makes your pelvis start to separate and it causes extreme pain in uncomfortable areas to talk about so I have um lovingly come to call it hell crotch um oh no it it's yeah so I mean walking moving like it's I was just in extreme pain the whole from 10 weeks on oh no Um, so I basically went from one day like Morning sickness one day, woke up the next day, the morning sickness was gone. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't walk. <laughs> um so I went through 30 weeks like that. Um, and so by the end, I was just like, I, I'm done. Like I have to be done. Like we gotta get this baby out. And so my doctor at my last appointment on my due date agreed to strip my membranes and, you know, said, okay this can make you bleed. um, but don't worry about that. Don't like, do not go into the hospital until, you know, you are in labor because they get mad and annoyed when people come in when they're not actually in labor. So I was very dutiful and obedient and went and sat and, you know, after going through that extremely long labor and at the hospital, my first, I was like, I am going to labor at home as long as I possibly can. And what I didn't realize was that because he had not warned me of the risks associated with this. I was beta strep positive and he didn't warn me that there was a risk of contamination um, of that bacteria and because due to membrane stripping. So I had some warning signs early in the day that I was not feeling well, but I was overdue and pregnant. So I was like, well, I haven't felt great in nine months. Just going to sit this out. (laughs) Um, so basically I turned into a Petri dish, of beta strep. And so by the time I knew I was for sure in labor and went into the hospital, my baby was in distress. I was running a fever and um, I like, they didn't even, I, I almost delivered in triage because my body was just like, you have to get out now. Wow. So with my first, I was like, I really would love to do this as naturally as possible but ended up with an epidural <laughs> with my second. I was kind of like, give me an epidural nine months ago. I, I don't want to be in pain, but there was no time for any, like. but, and I also hadn't done like, because I was planning an epidural, I hadn't done any of the like pain, <laughs> you know, I didn't have any, any coping. coping mechanisms <laughs> for how to oh, deal no. with pain. And so, yeah, I got no pain relief, nothing. Oh no. And so it was this very traumatic birth. <laughs> um and then because she was sick, they took her away. So like I hear women talk about their natural births and how, you know, oh I like found my inner goddess and yes, it was hard. But then the moment they hand me the baby, it was just like the endorphins and everything, like it all made it worth it. So I went through all of that pain and that trial and then didn't get my baby afterwards, they just had to take her away because she was sick. Um, and so she ended up in the NICU for 10 days. She had, she had contracted beta strap. It was in her blood. Um, she has no lasting effects from it. She, she is fine, but that trauma of having a baby taken away from me and from having my doctor honestly be the one at that felt like just that it was not informed consent for the procedure. Like, I didn't know if he had warned me, I could have been at the hospital so much earlier and things could have been fine. And so that really triggered then that next year of postpartum depression as well as post traumatic stress, which then, like I said, you know, I was like, I always wanted eight kids. And now then I found myself with two and just this, like, I don't like, I don't think I can do this again. Like it was the thought of having another baby, like would honestly I would end up like with an anxiety attack, rocking, like it hyperventilating. I, I mean, I held my baby. I loved my baby. I honestly felt more bonded with her. Right off the bat than I did with my son. That wasn't a problem. But as she got older, I didn't want to hold other people's babies. I didn't want to, like newborns were a little bit of a trigger for me. One of my really close friends who had always loved on my babies, she had a baby two years later and I never held her baby because I just was so traumatized by that and didn't even, you know, people are like, Oh, you hold a baby, you get baby hungry. I'm like, I, I couldn't, (laughs) couldn't go there, um, for, for a long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Holy cow. That sounds like a lot. Oh my (laughs) word. Um, I am glad to hear you say that you're able to recognize that it was post-traumatic stress after that. And that, like, that sounds like so much trauma. (laughs) One, you're in physical pain for months. Two, you didn't get informed consent. Three, you're, you don't have any pain relief during the actual labor. You were expecting to get some, and you didn't get any. Oh my goodness. And then your baby had to be taken away. That's so many things like on top of each other.
1: Yeah. It, it was rough. And then, and then I have to go home and like be mom. (laughs) Right. right, And so, I mean, that was, that was hard. And honestly, that was kind of dark times. And, and I don't feel like I was the best mom necessarily in that. I mean, they were little, so (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully Mm -hmm. they don't remember too much, but, um, but I hope the thing that they you know, as I talk more with them about it, as they do get older, I hope the thing that they gain from it is that we were able to get through it and, and come through on the other side. And yeah, I guess that like, there is hope and there's light and, Mm -hmm. and kids are resilient. So Mm -hmm. when you think like, (laughs) you're not going to like ruin your kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They are good and they are healthy
0: (laughs) kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I said, I'm glad you're able to recognize it was PTSD. Obviously I don't wish that on anybody. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, But sometimes people like will beat themselves up and be super harsh on themselves when they go through really hard things like that and not be able to recognize that you were having really hard time. You went through a lot of trauma. Um, Did you, seek out
1: any professional help. Yes, So I did. Um, and I did end up, um, on medication for, for a while, um, which I, I'm grateful that I had it. I, I didn't want to use it long-term, um, for those that need to, I like am total proponent of it. It, it made me feel kind of not myself. Um, and so I was able to kind of use it as like a reset to get through some of the hardest times. And then when I, everything else in my life and you know hormones stabilize and everything else was able to come together, I was able to wean off of that and then, and then get, you know, really work on myself and find a good support group and of, you know, of other women, um, and, and move forward and, and start thriving again. This is beautiful. I'm so glad.
2: Yeah. So
0: not only, um, like chemical help, but like a support group and like different different things to help you get through. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure that's not easy to talk about. So I
1: appreciate it. (laughs) It's yeah, I, it's, it's hard to talk about, but I feel like it's important for people to to know, like I'm like, I don't want to like scare people, right, but I think it's also important to build awareness of it so that, yeah, so women don't feel alone when they're going through that or so that they can be aware and protect themselves mm-hmm. to hopefully avoid mm-hmm. some of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: um i I really like what you said about like you know, it's, it's a way to connect. There's a lot of shame around some of these mental health problems, but there doesn't have to be. Um, Mm -hmm. so if, if we can do whatever we can to help people know that they're, they're not alone and there's, there's things that can help. So it's important. Thanks, Stephanie.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, were any of your kids planned?
1: Uh, yes. So, yeah. All three of them. Um, I can touch on quickly. Um, you know, I said, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have another right. one. Yeah, And then we do have um, a third. this third kid. And so, yeah, I went through a long time of back and forth, which was really hard for me because I am a planner and I like to know like what my life is going to be like. And uncertainty is is difficult for me and and it would be hard sometimes when people like they'd see that I especially since I had a boy and girl like I would get random strangers that were like oh good you have a boy and girl you're done and I was like that's a weird like what like like you don't even, like literally like a woman in the parking lot at the library like <laughs> that is a weird just, thing like, to say right like I'm like I don't know you like you don't who are you like to decide that i'm done it was like really hurtful actually because i was like that has nothing to do with my decision on whether or not i'm done what you don't know is that my question of whether or not i'm done is this like deeply personal like my body and i am <laughs> kind of in a war with each other like <laughs> that's it's hard but then on the flip side of that when you know because Being in a church where uh, most people do have, I mean, honestly, the average is not as high as I think people think anymore, but most, you know, a lot of families do have more kids than, than the nationwide average. And so then when people would just kind of assume, oh, and when you have your next one and I'm like, I don't know if I'm having a next one, you know, it was hard. Um, so I grappled with this back and forth for a long time. Like, I mean, so I, I know, <laughs> um, so spirit, like spirituality is kind of a, a big part of parenting for me. And so, you know, spending time meditating and praying about it and, you know, like Heavenly Father, give me an answer. Like, if you want me to do this, I will do it. If the answer is no, I won't. And honestly, the answer he gave me was... it's a a righteous desire to want to take care of yourself and the kids you already have. It's also a righteous desire to want to have more children. You make a choice. And I'm like, well, thanks. Like, (laughs) please just give me an answer. (laughs) Like, No, don't put this on me. But I I think that's an important thing like that, that through, especially, I mean, I think anything in life can prepare us for it, but Parenting in a special way kind of does this that we just have to learn how to make choices and and go with it and do the best that we can but we can't wait around hoping that somebody's gonna tell us all the right things to do. Um, so I just yeah kind of had to sit with that uncertainty for a while and the tipping point for me was when my now 5 year old um shortly after she turned 2 coming up to christmas we were like okay we're going to get you a big girl bed for christmas well santa claus brought mm-hmm. her a mm-hmm. big girl bed from ikea and he <laughs> let us put it together cuz <laughs> so Santa's nice of him <laughs> tricky like that <laughs> um and so like we kind of like you know, hid her away from her room for a while. So she wouldn't see what was going on. And as my husband was taking down the crib, I, I lost it. And he like, he comes over and he comforts me. He's like, I know it's like hard when they're growing up. And I'm like, no, this isn't about her growing up. This is, you know, yes. Like I had that like eight kid plan that I let go of. And I had that six kid plan that I let go of. But in no like in no version of my life that I had thought through did I only have two kids. Like that was kind of hurting like at the core of who I was. And um and so then I realized I was like, I I want more, I, I do want another kid. And like it kind of switched from Like it still scared me, but it switched from I'm too scared to do this to I want this enough to work through the fear and anxiety. And so I spent another year working on myself, getting myself really healthy, making plans, met with a doctor to like told her everything that had happened, found an amazing doctor. Like that is a big piece of advice I have for all moms, all women, find a doctor who actually listens to you. Um, and yeah, I was able to come up with a plan that I was comfortable with of how we could make sure that I could do this both physically, safely and protect my mental health then. Because I was like, I can't go through this again. And um, so, yeah, then we went ahead and now we've got our... Our little, she just turned one last week. So Aww. yeah. So sweet. Uh, yeah. Of course, I made this whole plan of like how to safely have another child and not like pass on beta strep again. Um, and instead I had a baby during a pandemic. Um oh. so <laughs> that was less than awesome.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh my goodness. Pandemic is not your fault though.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah there's been a lot of trauma triggers though unfortunately oh, sure. because of that but um again, we just I have, so this time I ended up finding a really great therapist <laughs> and um, been able to, to work through that. So find a good doctor and find a good therapist. Those yes. are like the two things every mom needs. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, and not to say that your previous birth experiences and the trauma you went through was your fault either. That was thoughtless of me, that, no. but, but it's not no. the pandemic is not anything that anyone could have planned for. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so do you feel like, um, uh, it sounds like you've kind of answered this already, but do you feel like planning those, especially for your third has affected your mothering?
1: Um, I mean, probably like, I don't know if I ended up with a surprise kid. I don't know how it would be different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I I feel like, and and even with, you know, I had this plan and then things kind of went sideways because of the pandemic. I would still encourage people to, I mean, everybody's got a different style and I'm not going to like tell them what their decisions need to be or, you know, stay out of other people's bedrooms. Um, but I think in general, like having plans and ideas for what you want. And, um, especially if you have higher risks and stuff like that, it's a good idea, but in everything you always need to be flexible and, and willing to change the plans and, figure out okay life through a curveball we're gonna we're gonna figure it out
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and hearing you talk through this it kind of um uh correct me if I'm wrong but so earlier you said you're you're a planner you like to know things ahead of time you like to plan for things um but now you're also saying you know it's important to be flexible (laughs) so it sounds like motherhood has taught you like sometimes you just gotta be flexible
1: (laughs) sometimes you just gotta You got to go with it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because kids are, I mean, once they're here, they're so unpredictable. So um, if you are, I think if you're too attached to a plan that can set you up for disappointment. Um, Makes sense. So that doesn't mean don't make the plan. Don't try, don't, you know, put effort into it, but find that balance of Mm -hmm. like taking things as they come as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also very much a planner. So <laughs> that idea of just taking this as has been <laughs> really hard. Uh, okay. It is, <laughs> but it's also great. And sometimes that ends up being the most beautiful parts when you just kind of like, I mean, so I know you're also like, we're both musical, like, you know, you want, you, you need to practice, you need to work on it. But sometimes the things that happen in the moment during a performance are, are the most beautiful and amazing parts, even if they didn't go as planned. And sometimes if you try to plan it too much, it takes away the the heart from it. So. Yeah. It's like that. the ultimate creative thing. Like I'm gonna put energy and hope into this, but ultimately kind of gotta just let it be what it's gonna be.
0: Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, so you have three kids. How has yes. your mothering changed after each kid or has it changed? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, people joke about how, like with your first year, like afraid of everything. And by, I saw, I don't know, I saw a joke after my first was born they're like, by the third, you're only afraid of cars and whole grapes. Um, <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm going to be so cautious. The same caution with each kid. No. <laughs> like, so I I feel like I'm a lot more chill this time around. I don't know. Maybe she's just a much more chill baby too. But um, yeah, like with my first, I was like, we're going to, I'm going to do all the things. <laughs> and not to say that that's not a good thing to do, but I I think I have been able to get a lot more of the, like, go with the flow and just, I I mean, the energy and focus is being (laughs) taken so many different directions now, not to say that she doesn't get the energy and focus and attention that she needs, but just, um, you kind of just have to learn how to, I don't know chill out sure
0: sure yeah because parenting one child is different from parenting two children which is different from parenting three children
1: yeah it is a lot different since there is a slightly bigger gap um so my son was you know just barely over two when my second was born um versus you know they were almost six and almost four and they understand a lot more than he understood as a two-year-old of like the things I was saying and Um, and asking them to do and (laughs) explaining. And um, the thing is though, (laughs) having a two-year-old, he was still into, you know, Duplo Legos and like larger toys, having six and four, you know, almost seven and five, like, they have little Legos and they have beads. And so I'm like, this kid, like, does she put more things in her mouth than they did? Or is there just more available? (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a blend of the two. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Gotta be on the lookout for those little things.
1: Yeah. Um, We've also lived in a different place with each kid. They, you know, we were in an apartment in Tempe with my first, we had moved up to Phoenix and, um, I was brand new pregnant when we moved up to Phoenix. Um, and yeah, so I had my second there and then we ended up moving right before my third was born. So was like very, like very different life situations going on with each phase. Like my husband was still in school with my first, um, and I was still working and the other two, I've been not working out of the home <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we've just, our life situation has changed with each one.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Life affects everything, right? <laughs> so it yeah. all works together in conjunction with each other. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your husband. Um, how do you think having him around affects
1: your mothering? Um, I mean, we're, we're very much a team um, and he's he's very involved. It's, he's been working from home since the pandemic. So it's actually been, he's feels very different this time around because he's like, oh, I'm actually like around. I, I see this kid more than <laughs> the other ones. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot more of the day-to-day and you know, hour-by-hour stuff it falls on me as the the caregiving parent. Um but you know we work hard to to make sure that we we are a team, we make big decisions together and um he stays really involved with the kids. So
0: sweet. Um we've talked they've kind of been talking about this throughout um but we go to the same church. So how does you mentioned praying is like really important, a big part of your mothering. Um, and you know, sometimes church culture makes you feel weird. (laughs) There's like awkward interactions occasionally, but any other (laughs) thoughts you'd like to add about how your spirituality, um, affects your mothering? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, it brings perspective. Um, especially on the harder days, like it brings a lot of, it brings empowerment, which I know for some people, this is maybe a part of church culture and doctrine that sometimes, and it is something I've had to grapple with at times, but I I had this realization when I was pregnant with my, with my first, I was like, this is the power of God manifest through me to to create life. And I just I was like that's a really empowering feeling. Um and um just to to try and have a very like my own relationship with God um is kind of critical for me. Um, and then I, you know, I'm trying to make sure I am helping my children develop their own relationship and, um, and, you know, and I want to teach them and raise them with those same gospel principles that, um, that I have, there are some aspects of church culture that I'm also kind of trying to be like, Hey, like, this is a cultural quirk. And not necessarily something that has to be a part of of our life, and kind of trying to make some distinctions between that and make their learning much more principle based. Um, and teaching them um, is a like it, it's a passion of mine. Um, I I haven't been keeping up with it a lot lately, but I um in the past have run a blog where I published um lessons for how to teach like the little little ones at home. Oh, I didn't know that. Um yeah. And like break down principles to their level. So um yeah, I think that's been that's been a pretty big part of mothering for me. But also like talking with friends of other faiths, and realizing that a lot of those principles are are very universal, and they want to teach their kids those things as well. And so while they're informed through, you know, our, <laughs> our beliefs, our doctrines, our scriptures, though they're most of the information can be just applied universally. And so I've, yeah, I've had people reach out to me and from other faiths as well. And let me know that they found the information I was sharing helpful. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. So church culture is like a huge part of our culture because like church kind of is in every aspect of our lives. (laughs) But uh, is there anything you want to say about culture at large, your culture that does it affect your mothering?
1: Um, I mean, yes, for sure. Um, I guess if I like trying to get out of church culture, maybe just more like American culture where, and then especially like parenting during the pandemic, um, it can be that isolating, like, I feel like, um, and I've talked with other friends about this, how like in other cultures and especially like in the past, like life is a lot more communal. And so you have like grandparents and aunties and neighbors and everybody taking care of the kids together and then here in America we're like I have my house and my and I mean there's like a balance there because I do value like my own space and my my you know me being the one making parenting decisions um but I we need other people like that, you know, it takes a village. Like, I know that's kind of cliche, but it's true. Like, and I, I think parenting during the pandemic has especially brought that to light how, how isolating it can be at times. And um. so that was a huge thing for me in overcoming um, postpartum depression was just making sure I had a group of people that my go-to people that can hang out with, I can call, I can, (laughs) and we can watch each other's kids. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's an important aspect of our culture that kind of impacts parenting.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, After you became a mom, uh, did your relationship with your own mom change?
1: Um i mean definitely um we're both we're both constantly changing um and but like using her as part of my support network um is is huge, and so kind of shifting that that role from just being mom to, or not, i don't i don't want to say just being mom, but like seeing her in a different light and realizing. things that she had to have gone through with us like and it kind of goes back to that what I was saying like at the beginning with becoming more compassionate like seeing people as as more whole people realizing like backstory um and then seeing myself grow into being a mom um yeah I mean it changes our relationship in some ways we're A lot closer, um, I think because of it. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah.
0: Um, what is something that has surprised you about motherhood? Myself.
1: Um (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) in what way? Um so I I I thought that being a mom was just going to come so naturally. And like, I had been a teacher. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have all the answers. I'm going to know what to do. (laughs) No, like, (laughs) no, that's not, that's not quite how it works. Um, yeah, I, I think like (laughs) I struggle with, with being bad at things sometimes not that I'm like, a terrible mom or whatever but like not being as good at it as I thought or not having it come as naturally as I just thought it would you know I'm like of course my kids are gonna listen to me no no they don't no <laughs> um so I mean having been a teacher definitely has informed how I parent and and affects you know how I discipline and so I I feel like it does help me come up with plans and develop, <laughs> um, you know, discipline programs within my home. I, I, my kids do have like star charts, like, like I used to use in my classroom, <laughs> <Cute. Aww. laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I was like, well, they're just going to listen to me because they will. Is <laughs> it quite how it's, <laughs> and then and then it's it's different and a little bit harder than as a teacher because it's it's so much more emotionally connected like like but but you're my kid (laughs) sure yeah that makes sense yeah yeah
0: yeah they're not objective there's a lot more (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah a lot more bias and yeah a lot more investment yeah yes yes yeah uh um You've touched on this throughout, as we've talked a little bit with different aspects of motherhood, but, um, what has been hard about motherhood? The kids
1: (laughs) Uh, not listening. (laughs) The hardest part of motherhood is the part where you're a mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it, so I one of the things when my son was just just tiny, one of the hard things to adjust to was just that realization of like he is like entirely dependent on me. Like, <laughs> right? Especially when I was trying really hard to breastfeed. And I was like, like this, this little person depends on me entirely. And that was like a little bit like uh, it was hard to come to terms with it. It was a lot of pressure, I guess. Yeah. it's like, how did I explain it best? Just, it it is a lot of pressure all the time. (laughs) You don't get days off. You don't get, (laughs) you don't get sick leave. (laughs) Um, and, um, yeah. So kind of like always being on call. Um, be a little bit a little bit difficult and then yeah i kind of i touched on sometimes the the isolation um can be can be a little rough
0: yeah makes sense especially if you feel like you're um always
1: on call yeah one other thing that i thought of that just popped back in my head um with some of the difficulties so after my second was born and i was struggling a lot with postpartum depression and post-traumatic stress. And, um, I had found a a good doctor that I was working with. Um, and she was like, you need to, you need to find things for you. She's like, what can you do for you? She's like, go, you know, she's like, go get a pedicure. I'm like, that's, that's like not my thing. Like, (laughs) that's cool for other people. It was like, you know, that or like the thing she was suggesting to me. I was like, that all sounds boring. So she's like, well, go home and like, think of what you are going to do. That is just for you, not for your husband, not for your kids, not for church, not for anything else that's just for you. And so I thought about it and I realized one of the things that was kind of triggering some of the kind of doomy gloomies in the depression was, um, it, parenting wasn't very cognitively stimulating, like (laughs) Being with a toddler and an infant all day long. Like, yes, like I would have play dates and stuff and and get some adult interaction that way. But like I I just kind of craved more adult interaction and more um more things that were, yeah, it's just like cognitively stimulating. So I ended up, I was like, I'm going to listen to audiobooks that I am the only one that is interested in. <laughs> Like, nice. interested in these books. Like I, it's not just going to be it, not even like necessarily about my career or about this or that, just what exactly am I interested in? Um, and then also I mentioned blogging. So those were my things that I had to, to go to, but, um, uh, you know, when I was working, I was getting that, you know, adult interaction regularly and having to problem solve and stuff not that you don't problem solve as a parent as well but it's it's just different <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah i needed intellectual stimulation and um and it wasn't going to be handed to me i had to seek it out
0: that makes sense yeah and yeah um it's okay to have something that's just for you you know
1: <laughs> yes it's it's necessary it's yeah. super important to to have that. And you know, it, it can be hard to fit it in, which is why like audiobooks was a good thing, because I could listen to them in the car when we were driving places and I could listen to them while I was doing other housework and stuff. So I could turn those maybe more mundane things into something that was still stimulating for me.
0: Hey, so that's smart. Um what is something about motherhood that has brought you joy?
1: Um, the kids, <laughs> <Aww. Right. laughs> I like, that was my answer for both of them. What's the <laughs> hardest part of the kids? What's the part that brings you joy the kids? Aww. Um, just like, yeah, when you sometimes, yeah, when I feel like, oh my gosh, they don't listen to anything I say. And then they come back to me later and, and repeat something that, that I've tried to teach them. And, um, um, that, you know, just feels amazing, feels great. And you like realize, okay, you are, you are figuring this out. I am doing something good. Um there, I mean, one of my one day my son came up to me and, you know, I've been teaching him about Jesus, and I'd been um we'd been reading kid scriptures and stuff together and he was playing with some toys and you know, he was like two and a half, three at the time. And he was like, mom, does Jesus like airplanes? And I was like, you know what, if all, if what I have taught you is like Jesus loves you and therefore he must love the things that you are interested in. Like, you know what? I am winning it. Like, <laughs> I'm good. Nice. <laughs> like if that's the connection you're making, like, That's awesome. (laughs) I was like, I'm sure he does. I mean, why wouldn't he? (laughs) So, you know, just like little moments like that where um, it just, yeah, you feel good and you realize you're doing something right. So sweet. Uh,
0: What advice would you give someone like me who's just
1: getting ready for kids (laughs) starting in on this journey Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) one of the like ended up kind of as my like mantra uh after my first was born um and yeah like I brought up things weren't going as I had like dreams in my head (laughs) it's like whatever keeps me sane and the kid alive that's what we're going to go with <laughs> like so everything else is a bonus but i need to be sane and they need to be alive <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we're going to do and then kind of similar thing that hit me with um this past year doing part of the time doing online learning with a very rambunctious first grader who can't sit still in front of a computer. (laughs) Um, I mean, so first quarter was entirely online and I, I was not doing super well during it. It was, it was incredibly draining. And, um, and then we ended up doing online again for the first two weeks after after the quarter, which I, I supported, I felt like it was what needed to happen, but it was hard and, and, and hard to like go back into that mode. But I, I had expected so much of myself and him in that, that first quarter, like, like you have to do all of your homework because you know, then I'm like, this is like directly like reflecting on me. Right. If my kid doesn't have all of his work done, cause I'm the one that's sitting right there. So, when we got back into it and I was like I can't go back into that like place again. I was like, you know what? Him missing an assignment is not going to ruin his life. Like he's not going to end up in jail sure. because he didn't like do his handwriting of assignment in first grade. Yeah. Like he's uh, even like it's not like, oh, he's not going to be able to go to college because he didn't do right. every single math problem, right? and so i like had to let go of that and just like you know what if he doesn't learn it today like it's going to be okay and then like for myself my mantra was nobody expects per- perfection from me and if they do they can shove it <laughs> um, <laughs> nice <laughs> so whatever keeps you sane and the kid alive go with it and remember that no one expects perfection of you.
0: And if and they do, they can, shove
1: it. <laughs> can shove it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Love it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> awesome. This has been so lovely chatting with you, Stephanie. Yeah.
1: Is there thank anything you. else you want to
0: add? Oh, n-
1: nothing I can think of right yeah. now. I'm sure I'll think of like a million things later. Right. <laughs> Well, I'll probably like spam you constantly, like, and this, and you're gonna be so annoyed by the end. Like, stop. Because no, like, I love it. I welcome. It's it. also like super annoying when people give you unsolicited parenting
0: advice. <laughs> well, right now I don't have kids, so I'm kind of asked. Like, I'm. I said at the podcast. So at this point, you're soliciting
1: the <laughs> yeah. advice, right? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I welcome it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess okay. I so remember. here's my other thing. Don't worry about doing normal. Like, who cares what's normal? like you do you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So there you go. Perfect. Mind your own motherhood and tell other people to do the same.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Perfect way to end. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Stephanie. Truly. It was really a joy. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much.
2: Stephanie, thank you again for being so open. Your giggles and humor throughout the episode had me giggling and laughing as I was editing the audio afterwards. I have already quoted you in another interview that is not yet published because your reminder that no one expects perfection from me, and if they do, they can shove it, makes me laugh every time I say it. Um, Similar to your thoughts about how your kids are simultaneously the hardest, but also most joyful parts of being a mother, you laughing and joking throughout and also talking about your trauma and depression is very poignant. Thank you again for sharing and for reminding all listening to get a good doctor and get a good therapist. If you, listener, are experiencing any depression, PTSD, anxiety, or any other mental health struggle, please reach out to someone. If you were in the United States, you can call the 24-7 national helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-662-4357. Oh, and if you were interested in checking out Stephanie's blog that she referenced, you can find it at shineindarkness.blog. You can also find it in the show notes. Um, If you have any thoughts or questions, or if you want to share your experiences of being a mom on the podcast, you can reach out to me, Laura Pruitt, on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Thanks for listening.